What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Sherdog.com. My name is Sean Sheehan, and today we are looking ahead to the big PFL season finale. It's the championship show. It's on this Friday, November the 24th. Um, you know, you can catch it over on uh, on, uh, on ESPN, ESPN Plus over in the States, uh, on the zone here in Ireland and the UK, and uh, check everywhere else uh, online. And it's 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 the showcase night. We we've watched it for the last few years in in, in two incarnations, I suppose, of PFL. But it's gotten better and better and better all the time. And it's I think a really interesting year for PFL. You know, a lot of things I suppose have gone right, and a lot of things have gone wrong for PFL. You're st- they're still trucking. They still have a very good finale here. And you know what? The, the future seems very bright for a PFL, you know, with Francis Ngannou. And like that, yeah, you know, maybe you could argue it could have gone better for PFL because maybe if he, if he didn't do so well, he would have been fighting next to PFL, but it feels like he's going to box. But however, to have him on their uh, roster seems like, you know, nothing but good, to be honest. They have Jake Paul and they have so many other things uh, as well that are, are, are popping with them. And you know what as well? And this is, I'll, I'll do it. PFL like season recap um, in in a few weeks time around the uh, the Christmas time, but I feel like and I'll touch more on this thing, but I feel like PFL have gotten a little bit of like the casual sports fan interest that is very hard to garner in mixed martial arts, even for the UFC. And that is a, that is a big thing. I was talking to a friend of mine recently, and he was asking me about the PFL. You know, I heard him here, I think, on, on TalkSport, one of the channels. I think it was Dan Davis on talking there. And, you know, I, I think the way that he spoke there and the way he has kind of given interviews recently, I think a lot of people are are intrigued by it and are willing to, like, tune in to see how it works and to see how, you know, they can, they, they, you know, maybe shove it to the UFC a little bit or have success themselves, so. I am. Uh, I think us as MMA fans, you know, most ninety percent of people probably listening to this probably feel the same way. We would love for you know PFL and everyone else to have success, and we know that you know I suppose the the road that they have been climbing for the last while. Uh, but now it feels like there are a few other people, you know, getting maybe not necessarily getting on board yet. What but looking and like, oh, I could get on board with that. So that is. That is fantastic for the PFL, and uh, long may it continue for the PFL and, and everyone else as well. But good to see it happening for the PFL. Right, enough, enough with the uh, enough with the foreplay. Let's get straight into the fights here, because as always, there are a lot of fights here, and I want to talk about uh, a lot of them anyway. Each and every one of them, yeah, probably each and every one of them, because they're all pretty good fights here. Let's start at the very top with Clay Collard versus Olivia Aubon Mercier. I think when Clay Collard got to PFL, when Olivia Aubon Mercier got to PFL, if you were to tell the two of them when they had their first fight that they would be in this situation where they are now, everything having kind of gone the way they had it has for them, I think they both both probably would have bitten your hands off for that. Like you look at Clay Collard, right? You look at some of the, the wins and the fights he's had. He's beaten Anthony Pettis, beaten Jeremy Stevens, beaten Stevie Ray, beaten Shane Burgos. You know, and there's a few more in there as well. You look at Olivier Aubameyang, unflappable since he left, left the UFC, won every single fight. What is it, eight, nine fights? Unbelievable. You know, beat the likes of Hoshman Manfeo, beat the likes of Stevie Ray, Shane Burgos as well, Daryl Harcher, Martin Held, Nathan Schultz, the former champ. 
It has been a real massive, brilliant road for both of them. And, you know, for Collard, he's taken a couple of losses across the way, absolutely. But, uh, and, and Obamercia hasn't. But at the same time, you know, he was a guy who was in the UFC. You know, he took his losses in the UFC. He had a few fights outside of the UFC. Remember, he had a good spell in boxing. And that kind of, that boxing spell, I think, revived, you know, not necessarily revived his career, but I think revived him for uh, the hardcore fans. And it made him a little bit of a fan favorite. Because, you know, look, the same with fancies. We love it when MMA fighters stick it to the boxers. Like, we absolutely love that. And he, he did that. And I think when he came into PFL and people saw him, being able to transition back over. I remember I spoke to him um, on one of the media calls one time, and I, I, I was like, was it hard to transition back? And he was like, what do you mean? I was always an MMA fighter. People forget I was only playing at the boxing for a while. And I was like, yeah, that, that is a good point, to be fair. And maybe maybe that actually played into some of his earlier work. And we've seen it. You know, you kind of expect Clay Collar to be a boxer now. And... Uh, he's absolutely a well-rounded mixed martial artist. You know, he obviously loves the boxing. He loves to get into a fist fight. Uh, but he can wrestle. He, he's good on the ground. He can fight everywhere. And you know what? He is a fighter that I think in years to come, I he's the type of fighter you hope people will remember because he's, he's so fun. He is so entertaining. He is, you know... He's, he's a guy you can get behind. Like, and if you're a neutral fan here and you're not, you know, a non Obama Russia fan, you maybe be hoping he'd win this. So he will definitely be remembered. Like, you could say the same, say, for like a, a Bisping. And like, you know, maybe, maybe different. But like, when Bisping won the title, it's like, you know, he no longer, you know, we don't have to ever worry about that again. Like, no one ever have forgotten Bisping. And maybe the same goes for Clay Collar, but it's a kind of a guarantee when you do that. Like, look at Brendan Lachnan last year when he won. It's like, okay, shut up a lot of the haters. And he should, you know, Dana White with his uh, idiocy, you know, and not signing him and all of that. It's great. It's just great to see that sometimes for people, you know. And, you know, you could say the same about Mercy. Obviously, did it last year. And maybe, you know, to do it again this year. Um, you know, you just love to see that from Claire Collard. And from the other side, if it didn't know about Mercia, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone is hating on him either. Like, there was a lot of, the, and you know, maybe I, I, I'm i going to say, oh, people are saying, maybe I was saying it as well, let's be honest. There was a lot of decisions and stuff from Obama Mercia when he came over early. But that as well has been quite, three finishes in his last uh, four fights, finished Stevie Ray, finished uh, Anthony Romero, finished Bruno Miranda. Um, and... He has, I, I said the word unflappable earlier, and it's the perfect word for him. I think since he's come to the PFL, um, and maybe maybe this is a good transition over to talk about like the actual intricacies of the fight itself. Uh, like I think where this fight will be won and lost is in control. Um, I think Olivier Aubameyang's ability to control fights over the last, you know, over the last two years, I suppose, since he has been in the PFL, and even, you know, you could argue even longer, <coughs> has been just fantastic. He's really good at it, like really good at using his well-rounded game just to like do things 
in places that will keep him safe, but won't keep his opponent safe. If you want to put it that way, you know he is re- like he's really good at controlling the striking. He's really good if he needs to push you against the cage and hold you there. He's really good at that. If he needs to take you down, he's really good at that again. And I'm not to say he's like an instant double leg or single leg takedown artist, but if he'll wear you out a little bit, then take you down, or he will catch you somewhere and put you on the ground, or a little bit of a trip, or a little bit of a turn and leverage and get you there. It's just doing what he needs to do. Like, is Olivier Aubameyang absolutely spectacular in any area? I, I wouldn't say so, but like, there's a lot of fighters. Like I say Leon Edwards, I think, is a little bit like that as well. I don't think Leon Edwards is a, is a spectacular fighter anywhere else. But, you know, if he's not the best welterweight in the world, uh, you know, he's, he's top one or two anyway, you know? Um, and that does a lot in MMA. It really, really, really does a lot. Um... I think what Collard needs to do here really is if he can keep it a boxing match. So not to say he'll win or Robert Mercy will win as a boxing match. We'll talk more about that in a second. But I think his best opportunity to win is to keep it away from the cage, keep it away from takedowns and all that. And as I said earlier, he's well-rounded. He can obviously cope in all those positions as well. But where is he best? He's going to be best there when it's striking. Now, let, we'll talk about striking again as I said in a second but let's say Robert Mercy is losing the striking and then what he needs to do push it against the cage take him down get on top take that control back right so let's talk about the striking I am very interested in it because Clay Collard is so good at landing beautiful technical strikes against any opponent and when I mean any opponent I mean like your wild Strikers like Jeremy Stevens, your controlled, tactical, technical strikers like Anthony Pettis or Stevie Ray or your wild men like Shane Burgos as well. He has fought so many different styles and he can do it against all of them. Olivier Aubameyang, he's more of a controlled style, but a, probably a better defensive style than than any of those people I um, I just mentioned. And you would think if this fight has fought. 25 minutes, it is 25 minutes, I assume, isn't it? Yes. Uh, on the uh, on the feet, you would you would give Collard the advantage, but a ticking advantage, I would say. Like, he has the advantage over 5 minutes, 10 minutes. Does he have it over 12, 15? Does he over 20? Maybe not. Does he over 25? Maybe not. It's one of those things as well. How long can he keep it going? We've seen he's good cardio, but Oba Mercy has fantastic cardio as well. And will the tie change? Will something be found out? I just find it very interesting. The, the last point I'll make in it, I, I think Collard will have success on the feet. I think he will land strikes down the middle, will land his jab, will land his one-two. I think Oba Mercia will struggle early, but as I, as I kind of alluded to there, the later the fight goes, we'll start to land a few more. It depends how much damage is done. It depends how much uh, of the gas tank Oba Mercia has been able to take from Collard with clinching and wrestling and all of that. I think there's so many intricacies to this fight. Honestly, this is a big, high-level fight. Um... I I really don't know what my pick is here. I'll have a betting show later in the week and I'll give my betting pick. I know um, uh, some of the prices are, are out, but we will talk more, uh, I suppose, um, about them next week. I'll, I'll throw some of the prices at you here. Um, plus 188 for Collard, minus 250 for Aubameyang. 
Honestly, I thought it'd be a little bit further out than that. I thought Oba Mercy would be a big favour. And now myself, you know, that's probably the way I would line it up. Maybe even a little bit closer. I really like Collard. I like his game. I think he has a massive chance to win this fight. Um, my straight up pick... I'm going for Robert Mercier. Now tune into the betting show later in the week. We'll see how the prices move. We'll see how the prices ebb and flow. We'll see some of the props maybe. But at this moment, I'm going for Olivier Aubin Mercier just to win a decision. I'd say maybe rounds three, four, and five type of thing. I I really, really like this fight. This is the type of fight I sat down and I watched some tape and I'm like, you know, who's going? I'm like, who's going to win this fight? Who is going to win this fight? I do not know. And uh, that's what we want to see. From uh, these big fights Right Let's move on Let's talk about the Heavyweight Championship fight Between Dennis Golsov And Hinin Fehea The prices on this um, Dennis Golsov Minus 225 Plus 163 For Hinin Fehea uh, I'm recording this Obviously a good few days Before uh, You will see this video So those prices Again May and Absolutely will fluctuate um, This fight Takes on New importance because we know what's out there for these lads. There's the million quid for all the championship fights here. But this one, there's another two million quid probably out there. Or maybe three million or maybe whatever it might be uh, for fighting Francis Ngannou. Like the heavyweight champion puts themselves in prime position to fight Francis Ngannou. Especially... If there's a big knockout, especially if there's like, let's say Goldsoff gets four rounds of absolutely massive takedowns, ground and bound and get to finish or something like that. That is when, you know, people look up and people see and people, you know, I'm sure Francis, I don't know if he'll be there or not, but I'm sure he'll be tuning in. I'm sure he'll be tweeting about it. And I'm sure that these two, like everyone, as I said, everyone's fighting for the million. Everyone's fighting for the title. It's all important, massively important, the most important fight of most of these people's lives. But this is an opportunity that an MMA fighter almost never gets because you have the elixir of Francis Ngannou. You have the possible massive pay-per-view guaranteed... Well, is it, was it two million or three million? I can't, I can't remember. I think it's two million. The guaranteed money from Francis that he negotiated for his opponent. Like, it looks like Francis is going to take a boxing match and then, you know, possibly, uh, you know, fight an MMA fight with PFL. Um... In, the, in maybe the middle of around next year Like one of these two lads If they win it They might say Well I'm fighting Francis I'm not going back into the tournament next year Or whatever it might be That might be the way this is done So this is a huge fight For both of these guys Absolutely And utterly massive for both of them um, And it's a very interesting fight As well You look at Hinn and Fahea, You know 11-3 and three now 9 knockouts uh, one submission, only gone to a decision once in his uh, in his winning career, only in his career indeed, um, and he's looked great over the last few years. You know, he's had a couple of fights overturned and all that, but the Ante Delia fight, uh, you know, who was obviously would have been a favourite uh, here this year again, but uh, you know didn't get through. Obviously, um, he but he's beaten everyone. Around that, Jamel Jones knocked him out 25 seconds, the 52nd knockout of Matthias Scheffel, who did so well last year, and knocking out Maurice Green as well, the big guy like himself, you know, he's at, what is he, six foot eight, not used to fighting lads who are, are as big as him. And, you know, Maurice Green in there at six foot seven, six foot eight as well, gave him that test and he passes it, you know, with flying colours. But I have seen improvements 
from Hinefea over the over the last few years. You know, his takedown defense has improved, but his ability to land those shots, use his size, has improved an awful lot as well. On the other side of it then for Dennis Golsov, you know, he has had I suppose an up and down time of it. Um, he lost to Ali Asiev in 2019. Then we didn't see him again, obviously, you know, pandemic and all of that uh, until 2021. Lost Ante Dalia at the uh, at the end of uh, 2021, but came back in 2022. Got all the, you know, won all his fights. Came back this year, won all his fights, and has looked absolutely spectacular uh, in doing so. Knocked out Jorgen De Castro, submitted uh, um, Jordan Hederman, beat Cesar Fajaya as well before that. And, you know, <coughs> people, people have been asking the question, right? Who in PFL is going to be Francis Ngannou? Well... This guy could. Denis Golsov is a really good wrestler. He can strike. He's a finisher. He can do it all. 15 knockouts, 11 submissions, and he's 32 wins. That's an unbelievable finishing rate. You know, a sambo fighter who is... An absolute beast, a smart with getting you down, you know, has done it now for a good few years uh, as well. When you're not heavyweight, everyone's going to take a loss in there as well, but he hasn't taken that many of them at all. And this is a big test. Now, the weird thing about the, the heavyweight division, obviously, but it, the PFL heavyweight division as well, <laughs> it doesn't always work out where the favourites win, as he's seen himself uh, in years past. Uh, this is a massive look. This is a massive fight for both of them. As I mentioned, uh, I gave the prices earlier on. Um, Golsov is the favorite, and he's my favorite too. I do think he'll win. I just look. I just think if he can stop the early knockout, the, the look, the, the the further this goes, after a minute, the more it favors Golsov. The more he can push him against the cage, the more he can take him down. You know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall type of thing is on. I think Golsov at 6'5 is a big enough guy himself. So it's not as if he's so small, you know, he can't get in there on Fahey or anything like that. I think he'll get in. I think he'll get a takedown. I think he'll wear him out. And um, I could see him getting the finish here over Fahey. But keep, uh, I suppose, keep <laughs> keep an eye on that one as we, uh, as we go. Two massive... Women's fights then, one of them a championship fight, and one of them not a championship fight, but I suppose you would call it uh, uh, one that might, we might see in the, the PFL Super Fight Series uh, down the line. First of all, the um, uh, the championship fight, £145 for the women, uh, Marina Mokathina against Larissa Pacheco. I suppose we all know about Larissa, so let's just touch on um, Marina Mokathina for a second. Um, she... 35 years of age now, but look, she's been in the PFL for a few seasons and her, you know, her results have been pretty good. You know, she's won um, six of her seven fights, only losing to Kayla Harrison. You know, she beat Abigail Montes, who obviously beat Clarissa Shields, who's a good fighter. She's beaten Yoko Higasaki in the middle of that, Amanda Lybrook uh, um, and others as well. Um, you know, she's fought in Bellator as well. So she has a bit of uh, of experience. Um you know, we if you look at her style, she's like I would say Kayla Harrison light kind of. You know, she's a judoka, maybe not as good, 
bit of striking uh, and all that. You know, she has, as I said, good submission. She won her last fight by armbar. Uh, she's a key lock and other things like that. But Larissa Pacheco has has really gone to the next level over the last few years. Look, she beat Kelly Harrison last year. That's all that needs to be said about that. What a win that was. Look, it was a close decision and all of that. Let's not rewrite history massively. But in my opinion and most people's opinion, I think a deserved winner of, uh, of that fight and, and a deserved winner of all of her fights this year. Although that Julia Budd fight was pretty close, if we're being honest. It was a close fight, but she went in there. Like, Amanda Lybrock, I think I picked her as my flyer that week. Now, I didn't pick her straight up to win, but um, she went in and she destroyed her in 45 seconds. She beat Olena Kleshnik in 14 seconds. Um, and that's exactly what you want in a tournament year. First fight, you know, a bit of a longer fight in April, quick fight in June, quick fight in August, now you're in here at the, uh, at the end of November for your finale fight as well. Look, Larissa Pacheco is, uh, she's a massive favourite here, minus 549, plus 350 for Makathena, and that, look, that says it all. She's almost certainly going to win this fight, she's just going to be a better uh, all-around fighter than her, she's probably going to knock her out on the feet. Um... She probably can get on top and win on the ground as well, having prepared for Kayla Harrison, you know, what is it, 17 times or something, something like that, and eventually did win. But, um, yeah, massive fight for Pacheco again, because, look, Kayla Harrison is there. She's looking for a super fight, whatever it might be, the big pay-per-view fight coming up. Maybe she gets in that, maybe she goes in next year, but still not. There's a million quid on the line, so she's not looking past um, next Friday night. So a massive, massive fight for her there. And I do think Pacheco, she is my pick in that one. Then we actually have Kayla Harrison on this card as well. She's a minus 549 favourite over Aspen Lad, plus 350 uh, to take a break from the championship fights for a second. It's been a, a bit of an odd year for Kayla Harrison, I suppose. I, uh, I, I, I No, maybe I have this wrong, but I think she opted out of the... Um, uh, the the tournament for for this year, or she not she wasn't in it anyway. Let's let's put it that way. I don't want to uh, say anyone did anything or or, or uh, you know get anything wrong there. But I think I think that was it. Um, after losing last year, but that that means she hasn't fought. You know, to what what the hell is this card? The twenty fourth. It was the twenty fifth last year. So a year minus a day since her last fight for someone like Kayla Harrison. You know, thirty three years of age. I was not not the oldest in the world, but she was had talked about like. You know, this was her time to, to flourish. This was her time to you know, like go to the next level. Obviously, there was the talks with possibly Bellator, possibly the UFC, and, and all of that. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't happen. So she got back into BFL last year and she ended up losing. But, you know, it feels like her having a year out was a little bit unnecessary. No, okay, you could say she lost and she maybe needs to rebuild things or whatever. But as I said, it wasn't it wasn't actually exactly a destructive loss. You know, it was a close fight against someone who had literally Kayla Harrison on the mind morning, noon and night for the last three or four years. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the same the other way around, let's be honest here. And she caught up with her in the end. There's not there's nothing wrong with that. Larissa Pacheco's a very, very good fighter, as is Kayla Harrison. And you know, I, I hated this stuff recently, you know, about like, oh Kayla Harrison was found out. And maybe not recently, but at the time. So she's found out not. MMA is a tough sport. You go around it long enough, you fight a person long enough enough times, and they're eventually gonna beat you. They're eventually it's just going to happen, especially someone with the qualities of Larissa Pacheco. So absolutely no shame for Kayla Harrison at all here. And she's rebounding and fighting Aspen Lad. And hopefully this is the start of a good few fights uh, in a row for her. Look, Aspen Lad, we've seen her in the UFC. We see what she can do. You know, kind of blows hot and cold. She, a well-rounded fighter, 
Um, you know, uh, eight finishes in her eleven wins to date. She can hit hard, you know. Um, but you know, she doesn't have the athletic specialities that Kayla Harrison does. You know, the Olympian uh, and all of that, and you know, the amount of fights she won, the amount of people she has beaten uh, over the last few years has been absolutely phenomenal. I'm very interested. Look, and I, I said it earlier on, maybe she didn't need to take all that time out, but I'm very interested to see what the timeout has actually done for her and to see how she's going to look here. Kella Harrison is undoubtedly the pick. I think she's going to pick her up, put her down, and submit her here. Um, and uh, the Kella Harrison train will be back on tracks after that. Right, back to the uh, title fights here, and we have uh, we have three more to go. Um, Magomed Magomed Karimov first against Sadabu C. Arguably the standout fight in terms of top-level quality here, uh, I would say, um, you know, Magomed Magomed Karimov has been uh, an, uh, almost, you know, almost unbeatable, apart from uh, apart from Ray Cooper in 2021, who, again, you know, he had beaten, uh, was, was it a couple of times? He'd beaten at least once, anyway, before that, you know. That's the only fight he's lost since 2015. He's won... What is it? Oh, God, I, I can't even count them up. Like, 13 of his last 14 fights or something like that. This year, again, looking really, really good. Beat Solomon Renfro last time out. Uh, finished David Zavada. Head kick against Bin Egley. You know, after beating Glesson about Danilo Taylor uh, last year. Sadabu C, on the other hand, then, maybe, you know, maybe he had, didn't have that same reputation. You know, he came into that season in... Um, uh, what year was it? It was, I suppose... Tw- 2022 even last year where he met Rory McDonald you know and, and he had been around the best 2019 he'd fought Ray Cooper and a few more and he came in I think in 2022 and I suppose he, I, I didn't expect him a lot of people didn't expect him to win that fight but when he did I know it was a close fight that that changed his life that changed his career you know and it was the next fight I suppose that went on and he went on and he won the uh, our, our two fights on line he went on and he won the championship and that really changed his career you know winning the million but this year he came in and when he beat Jaral Al Salawi, I was thinking to myself, "This is a different fighter. This is a different animal." And he went then he finished Shane Mitchell with a spin and wheel kick. Won the decision last time out against Carlos Miranda. Very close fight, split decision. But Miranda's a very good fighter as well. Um, I'm very interested to see how this looks like. Magomed Magomed Karimov. Uh, you, you look at the name and you might think this guy is just going to wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. Now he can wrestle, but. You know, 13 knockouts, 9 submissions uh, on his record. He, he can do it all. Um, Sadabu C is a guy who'll fight on the outside. He's big and long. But has, as I mentioned, kind of alluded to there, he has decided to start hitting lads really hard, you know. And again, another guy who maybe is a little bit older than we think at 36 years of age. Um this is the really the time for him as well to kick on again in his career and win a second one and go to superstardom. How do you do that? You knock out Magomed, Magomed Karimov. And I think he will go out there and try to do that, if I'm being honest. I think he'll be more controlled. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to go out there and just throw bombs immediately, but I think he will be controlled on the outside. But if this was last year, I would I would think, okay, it's going to be very difficult to stay off. You need, you know, you need to throw a few shots. But he has thrown a few more shots. I, against a guy like Magomed, Magomed Karimov, who is really good at controlling, really good, as I said, at takedowns as well, not just a takedown artist, but that, you need to make them pay a little bit. That was always a problem, say, with someone like a Habib. You know, he, he, before he'd even take you down, you had to make him pay on the feet to stop the rush, to stop the takedown. You have to beat him at source. 
And Sadabusi is actually increasingly good at doing that. Um, but I just think Megamed Megamed Karimov is probably one of the best fighters in the world, definitely the best fighter in the PFL. I think at beating everyone to source. Um, he is minus two fifty to plus one seventy five here. Again, we look at the prices later on in the week at the betting show, but the pick, the straight up pick, is Magomed Magomed Karimov. I do think um, he will be careful enough on the feet against C. He will pick his moments. The five round suits him. Think he'll get the few takedowns in there that will matter the most, and I think he'll end up getting the win in there. We've Gabriel Braga then against uh, Jesus Pinedo. Uh, and what a year it's been for, for the two of these guys in the highly vaulted featherweight division. Would anyone have picked the two of these ads to be, I suppose, the uh, the guy here? You know, they fought back in April. And uh, Gabriel Braga obviously won that one, split decision, close fight. They went down and beat Marlon Morais and went down and beat Chris Wade. You know, the other side of it then for Pinedo, he beat the number one. Guy in that division, Brendan Lachnan, absolutely, you know, knocked him out, you know, put him on a place he's probably never been before for Lachnan. And then he knocked out Bobby Jenkins as well to put himself in a place where, okay, a guy who's just beaten him in obviously a close fight, um, he's now probably thinking like this guy has kind of gone to a different level. And he was always, you know, a knockout artist, always landed the big shots, 22 wins, 17 finishes, 13 knockouts. Um, you know, I, I like. I like both of them, to be honest. I, I like their styles. Pinedo is a you know, southpaw with the low hands, with the kind of the odd outside movement. Um, throws those low kicks, but we saw in the first fight, kind of leaves himself open. Uh, a lot of the time, wide stance is good for those kind of whipping shots in with these head kicks and uses his size a lot, uses his side kicks uh, a lot as well. He's very good with them, whereas Bragg is more of a boxer, you know, can wrestle as as we saw. Very heavy hips uh, when the fight gets to the ground. And again, you look at this like, who's going to win this fight? Minus one three eight for Braga Pineda, plus one oh five. And I think that's probably based on the fact he won earlier on in the year. This is a toss up of a fight. Um, I think I'm going to go with the turnaround. I'm go- I think I'm going to go against the odds. I think I'm going to uh, going to go for Pineda here. Uh, I think that power, that not, but the confidence he has gained. In those two wins, like it's very hard to get. I, I was listening, there was an interview with a an Irish sports person on here. His name was Richie Hogan. If you want to go and listen to the interview, but he said when he was young, he was breaking into his team, breaking into his team, and he never. And in one game, he went out and he scored, you know, the equivalent of of uh, how we put it in American terms, three touchdowns. Right? Let's put it that way. And then from then on, in he had the confidence. I did it once. I can do it again. And he went on to be one of the best that's ever played the game. Right. No, okay, I'm not, I'm not saying the same for Pinedo here, but the fact he's able to go out and do that to Lachnan, to Jenkins, he knows he can do it now. You know, he did it against some good guys in his career on the way up, you know, and he fought, you know, he fought in, in the UFC, and, you know, he, 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 he... But there was never a guy like Brendan Lachnan who had just won a million and all, or Bubba Jenkins, that he had done it to before. And the fact that he's done it to them, I think he'll go on to the next level, so I'm picking him to win here. Although I really like Braga. I might change that pick. <laughs> I might change that pick later in the uh, <coughs> later in the week. Keep, keep an eye on my Twitter. Keep an eye on the betting show as well for that. Uh, the last title fight then, Joshua Silvera against Impa Kasanganai. Um, uh, a, a very interesting fight. Minus one fifty for Kasanganai, plus one ten for Silvera. Um, I'll tell you what. I'm going with the underdog again in this one. I'm going for Silvera. The straight up. 
um, winner here. I've been very impressed with him since he made his debut in the PFL in 2022. Um, you know, he got in there, was a little bit too quick, I think, to the top against Amari Akhmedov last year, but he's come in and learned the lessons. Got three finishes, three first-round finishes, Sam K, Dylan Monte, and Ty Flores. Okay, not the level maybe you would expect, but when he beat Martin Hamlet last year, I was thinking that's... That's a, such a good win there for uh, you know a guy who's wrestling and grappling and all. Now, Kasanga and I did the same. He beat him and he beat Martin Hamlet. And maybe you could say it's even more impressive for a guy who's striking to beat Martin Hamlet, who um you know who who wrestles a lot. It was funny. I remember the build up to that fight. I I kind I kind of gave it the oh, Kasanga and I. You know, people just look at him and they say oh, he's just a striker and uh, like you know all like it just you know he can wrestle too and I th- he only two knockouts at the time. Like we we have to think further. You know we can't just be. And then he knocks him out in in two minutes. You know so um, I I would kind of uh, refresh that speech here maybe again. Look. Kasanga and I, as he proved in that fight, he can go out and he can knock anyone out. But we need to look at him as more of a fighter than that. You know, he's... Look, he might go out and get the first round knockout again, absolutely. But let's say he doesn't. He's going to have to bear with that wrestling of Joshua Silveira. He's going to have to stop him from taking him down. He's going to have to live with the uh, unbelievable submission prowess that, that Silveira has. You know, 11 finishes and he's 12 wins to date only losing that one decision to Amari Ahmedov last year you know been really really good and the level he's fought you know obviously because of who his father is and all of that has been very very high um I like Silvera here the reason I like Silvera here is I I I can't ignore I can't ignore that three knockouts in 14 wins I can't ignore that three knockouts in 17 fights you know, four case okay, so of four submissions as well in there, but I don't think he's going to submit Silvera. I think Silvera is going to survive early, get the takedown, get on top, and get the submission in there. So I'm going for Joshua Silvera to win in that one. Um, there are some really good fights on this card elsewhere. Ray Cooper against Derek Brunson. I like. I didn't even realize that fight was happening. I'm sure a lot of people are probably the same as me. Like Ray Cooper again. Another guy who hasn't fought since last year when he beat Brett Cooper, you know, it was a bit of a weird year last year. For, for him, he lost to Carlos Miranda in a close decision, uh, didn't beat Brett Cooper and ended up not getting through, you know. And before that, like, jeez, what a run he was on 2021, getting a million, beating Magomed Karamov, beating Rory McDonald, like, God almighty, what a win. And, you know, he beat Chris Curtis the year or two before that uh, as well. Like, you look at Derek Brunson, obviously coming over from the UFC, yeah, okay, he lost his last couple of fights against Dirk Stuplessis and Jerry Cannonier, but look at where Kevin Holland is going now. He's been going well over the last couple of years again, beating um, beating um, Darren Till and Ian Heinish and a few more as well. You know, Brunson is what Brunson is, and this is a real, real fun fight here. Up the middleweight as well for Ray Cooper. Obviously, we know he, I, I think a large part of the reason why he wasn't in the tournament this year was probably cutting the weight again. I know he didn't he miss weight last year as well. Was a uh, yeah last year. Um, perfect, the perfect matchmaking. I love this fight. I'm very interested to see who wins it. Um, is there a betting prize up for that? There is. Um, it's very, very close here. Minus 150 for Cooper, the favourite. Plus 110 for Brunson. 
Interesting prices. Interesting. I, I'd i probably go with Brunson there, to be honest. But as I said, watch the betting show next week and you will get your uh, your official betting picks for that. But that's the pick here with Brunson um, at the moment. Um, a couple of the other fights on the card as well. Jesse Stern against Josh Bladen. Uh, I'm sure that'll be looking towards next year. Uh, Kai Wu against Philip uh, Karpaka. Um, Alio Baggywa. Uh, uh, um, Baggio Ali Walsh, who is very much impressed. Obviously, you know, the, is the grandson of, uh, of Muhammad Ali uh, against uh, uh, Joey Lopez, who had been fighting amateur. I believe that's his pro debut, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so a big, very important, uh, a very important fight for him, fighting out of uh, extreme couture. And then we have Bubba Jenkins against, uh, against Chris Wade for what feels like about their 700th fight. But... Uh, <laughs> it's not they fought in uh, this year uh, Bubba Jenkins won that one they fought in 2021 Chris Wade won that one uh, and like that's, that's it they've only fought twice so here we go um, look we know, we know what we get with both of these guys you know Bubba is a southpaw you know he's a guy who when he is on form he's so good you know he out wrestled Lance Palmer Loves to come in and hit hard with his striking, which is very effective. And when he looks smooth, he looks smooth. You know, he's one of them. Um, Chris Wade is a guy who I think on purpose kicks a lot to turn it into a wrestling match. You know, really strong, good striker, but he's willing to throw more than his opponent because he's happy to get inside. This fight's going to be a close fight. This fight's going to be a toss-up. We we know that uh, at this stage. And uh, who will the winner be? So I suppose we'll see. It's minus 138 for Jenkins, the underdog, uh, plus 105 for Chris Wade. Um... Yeah, I probably, I probably will go with Jenkins in that one as well. The other price is minus 250 for steering over Blidden, plus 188. Um, uh, Wu is my, plus 170, minus 225 for Katapaka. And I believe we don't have the odds for the other five. Maybe it is an amateur. I'll check that out and we'll, we'll let you know. Um, but a very interesting PFL championship card. Um, they always deliver. They're always really good. You see people taking away the million. I spoke about it last year after, and I'm like, this is... You know, sometimes we can get very negative in MMA and we can, you know, I did a podcast last week talking about pay and talking about, you know, how it's, you know, and we've seen a lot with the, the pay figures coming out over the last while. But to see, you know, multiple people getting a million uh, dollars, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. We can have a good news story next Friday night and uh, and I'll watch with G, with glee while seeing some very good fights as well alright we leave it there thank you to everyone for tuning in my name is Sean Sheehan for Sherdog.com and I'll see you all next time <laughs>